Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we're covering Season 3, Episode 3, Application Anxiety. After a Harvard application arrives, Rory and Lorelai seek advice. Meanwhile, Lane places an ad and becomes enamored with a respondent. Before we get going, don't forget to enter our sticker giveaway by writing us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and emailing us a screenshot to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com and we'll send you a Mm -hmm. sticker with our new logo. Yeah, the the stickers are really cute. You can check them out on our Instagram Mm -hmm. if you want the visual. I want so many of them myself. (laughs) Yeah. Can I just have a laptop covered with our two PR stickers, please? Make a whole collage out of them. (laughs) Right, right. So what what were your thoughts about this episode? Um, you know, I think it will be a fun episode to discuss. Overall, I thought I did find myself a little bored with it. Of the like three main storylines, you've got like the Lorelai and Rory application anxiety um the luke and taylor feud and then the lane storyline and i really liked the lane storyline the most um yeah how about you i agree i kind of felt like most of the excitement happened in the last 10 minutes or so and Mm -hmm. then the rest of the the episode was a little bit boring but at the same time as two people who have a lot of application experience i feel like we'll have some things to say so Yeah, it definitely felt like a lot of setting the scene Mm -hmm. of the season. You know, it's like, oh, Rory's about to go to college and all of the anxiety surrounding that coming from Lorelai, Emily, Dean. Like, remember, this is going to be like a theme of the season, basically. Mm -hmm. So I understand like the function of the episode, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Should we (laughs) do our talking fast and attempt to... Break it all down into 30 seconds. <laughs> it should be easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we say that now. <laughs> uh-huh. I say that as I'm the person going first. So fake it till you make it. Are you ready? Uh-huh. And go. Rory gets her Harvard application and proceeds to be really anxious about it alongside Emily and Lorelai. So they go see a Harvard alumni to kind of calm their nerves. He is impressed and gives her a good recommendation, I guess. Meanwhile, Lane is looking for a band. She finds the iconic Dave Rogowski and Luke and Taylor are fighting over if the extra space should become a soda shop and Taylor wins. Um... That is all I have. Wow, you have like two <laughs> seconds left. Nice. Cool. It is alumni, uh, mm. or alumnus, not alumni, for the singular, as Rory I told know. us. Shouldn't I have learned from the episode? <laughs> uh, I kind of glazed over on the like Latin wordplay. <laughs> That's happened to me for multiple years on end as I've learned Latin. It didn't <laughs> stick. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> are you ready Yes. On your mark, get set, go. So Rory gets her Harvard application. Uh, We also see that at Chilton, they're trying to figure out what the best ways to apply are, are, and Paris freaks out. Emily is also freaking out, and which makes Lorelai freak out about the applications. So everybody's freaking out about applications. They go see this alumnus dude, (laughs) and um, he's... His family's super weird. And then there's a town meeting and Taylor's opening up a soda shop and Dave Rogowski shows up. Okay. I I didn't do as well as you did. I got bogged down by the weeds. <laughs> I know, but you colored in some important details, like how creepy the brother and sister were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a very country club family, I guess. Whatever you'd say. <laughs> so should we slow things down then and get into this episode let's do this so it begins with rory receiving a college application in the mail mm-hmm. i immediately want to ask you <laughs> how how did you apply for college did your application come in the mail and then you filled it out in paper <laughs> i don't think so so i applied to college in like 2008 and I think mm-hmm. I had maybe one or two applications that were mail, 
but the rest really? were online. All, all of them were like, you know, online portals and stuff. But I also don't remember very clearly. So I was trying to reflect on my own. They were definitely all electronic on mm-hmm. websites. And I was trying to remember the essay prompts as well, because as Rory reads it later, it's very stereotypical, like an event or a person that have influenced your life. Like I think my essays were kind of like that, that, you yeah. know, rang pretty true to my experience. But I just thought it was so novel that like the Harvard <laughs> application arrived through the mail for her. Anyone listening, like our younger listeners would probably be even more <laughs> thrown off by that. I do remember at the time, like, uh, like the whole adage, like if you get an acceptance letter, and it's in a small envelope, that's bad. If it's in a big envelope, that's good. So I must have mm-hmm. gotten some, I definitely got some material like acceptance letters and stuff in the mm-hmm. mail. Yeah, huh. yeah, I think that is still true. Though I did get some digitally. I remember the undergrad I actually went to, like I opened it in an email, I think before they sent me a paper acceptance. And when you click through to like the web page, there's like a confetti reaction, mm-hmm. like congratulations. <laughs> wow. it, it was fun. <laughs> that would never work for me anymore because when I was applying for grad school and stuff, I would check those portals multiple times each day so the second it changed over (laughs) I would know anyways (laughs) yeah something else that I found quaint about this scene and I made my stars hollow moment is the fact that the episode opens they're watching tv you see in the background that their door is just open and then the mailman arrives and he just walks in and says mail ladies and Lorelai says thanks Eddie and then he leaves and leaves the door open again. And yeah. <laughs> just like, in what other town would you do that other than Stars Hollow? Like, just have your door hanging wide open. And then your, like, male person is so, co- like, knows you so well that they'll just go inside your house. And I was like, yeah, that's Stars Hollow right there. Yeah, that's also, like, would never happen these days anymore. Almost mm-hmm. Probably almost anywhere. (laughs) The door would be barred. There'd be like a ring camera on the (laughs) front. Yeah. (laughs) The mailman would wave at the ring camera. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Watching it from your phone on the couch inside. (laughs) But yeah, they're both, once they get this application, they're both pretty awestruck. Like it's a momentous occasion. (laughs) Rory is a bit upset that they were watching the Brady Bunch variety hour (laughs) as the application (laughs) arrived. I cannot remember having the same sense of for like fate when I filled yeah. out my applications, but I was also a very different teenager from Rory, so. <laughs> yeah, I do sort of understand the sense of awe from those two particular people who claim Rory has dreamed of this since she was four, like to have your dream suddenly be like a booklet of paper in front of you, I think would be quite the experience. And so they're reading each question like bit by bit, like close reading (laughs) the application basically. Um, I thought it was funny when Lorelai reads the line, mother, she says, breathtaking. (laughs) And then father, ostracized. I thought that was a really good joke. I wonder if that, like if she had put that on an application would it be in her favor? Like the um, alumna, alumnus guy says, he kind of makes the, like, the, he kind of gives the whole idea that since Lorelai didn't go to college, it's in Rory's favor. So is it in her mm-hmm. favor to come from a quote unquote broken home? Yeah, he like implies like, oh, your family struggled, like mm-hmm. basically good fodder for like a personal essay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Package up your experience into an application. Yep. I wish that personal essay questions need to be way more like specific, like just write Mm -hmm. something about a person who's impacted you. That's that's just setting up so many people to fail unless they are privileged enough to go to a place like Chilton where they can get admissions officers to come and tell them exactly what they're looking for. (laughs) Right. That's how you get people writing about Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. as we will discuss. Yeah. (laughs) And worth noting as well as Lorelai and Rory are figuring out 
like what to put in the application. The scene is kind of cut with Lane, who is at their house, deciding what to put in her ad that she's writing um, as she's seeking out a rock band, which was just really exciting because, you know, like Hep Alien is around the corner. Um, And it was also there's just a lot of really good dialogue around Lane's like really, really long ad that would cost like five hundred dollars in its current form if she puts it in the paper she's listed so many bands alphabetically I just found it like super endearing Mm -hmm. and I didn't really I only caught like one out of every 10 bands they named that I like actually knew yeah (laughs) so I was just impressed with her knowledge you know it brought up a question for me and I think a serious missed opportunity for this show why did they not at least like in the revival why was lane not running a music store like Mm. she would be great at like uh suggesting different bands for people to listen to based on their their tastes and stuff like that and kind of it could even be since i know people don't buy cds that much anymore it could even be like a kind of a record store slash kind Mm -hmm. of historic like music history type store I don't know why they didn't do that for her right or like a and some of it could be for like music lessons Mm -hmm. she could sell instruments maybe I totally share your confusion at why they didn't do that especially because they have that they had the music shop that you know Carol King is at so like she easily could have been taking up that Maybe they didn't have room for a lane storyline because they had to have like a 20 minute musical. Yeah. <laughs> or a montage of Lorelai and Rory judging people at the swimming pool. Yeah, that was truly one of the biggest crimes like of many of the revival is the like lack of a lane storyline. Mm-hmm. Because what did they have her doing? Yeah. She, anything? I think I don't even remember. <laughs> And I, I don't know if it, like, had to do with the with actor availability, but still, you know? No, I, I'm sure she was available. Like, like if they're not going to have her being a musician actively anymore, it's a compromise to have her working at a music store, mm-hmm. right? Like, give us that at least. Yeah, and that seems to be, like, based off of this scene and the rest of her storyline, really. Like, she is a great musician, but... Even Mm -hmm. more than that, she's a music nerd. And, like, just to let her live that life would be great. Like, her her babies didn't have to. Yeah, she didn't have to, like, her life didn't have to be over after having babies. She could have had babies and owned a music store. Just saying. (laughs) Poor Lane. But, yeah, yeah, I love that she's finally getting into it, coming up with this ridiculous ad. (laughs) One. One thing with the application that I completely forgot about um, that I wanted to ask you about that I thought was weird. With the application, they're supposed to submit a picture. <laughs> Did you ever have to submit or even have like a picture on one of the web portals or something for an application? That just seems like such weird, such a way to discriminate. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I don't remember doing that at all. And I wonder if they get around it by like everyone is just on the internet Mm -hmm. so like they probably could have googled me and found my picture but no did you no not that I can remember that just seems like so fishy especially for an ivy league like what do you want to make sure I look like an ivy leaguer (laughs) well you know later on you know, the third child of the Harvard family. She does say Rory has the shiny Harvard hair. So That's true. They probably do want evidence of that, actually. Yeah. Gotta have the hair. Yeah. Do you use L'Oreal or? <laughs> uh, now I was, I want to see how all of the hair is when we're at Yale later on. Like, oh, yeah. What's is it all the shiny? Yale hair? <laughs> we'll have to come back to that. We'll circle back. <laughs> Yeah, circling back later. Okay. A couple, a year or two from now? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think we have completely covered the opening scene. <laughs> we got that. So, well, that was like two scenes. That's true. The pre yeah. and post credits. <laughs> After this, we have a short scene at Luke's um, where Rory and Dean are eating together. And Rory suggests that they go see a movie on the weekend. And Dean is, you know, I think that this is a good Thing that dean does here like a 
a good moment for him because he says, of mm-hmm. course, you're not going to be free on the weekend. You'll be freaking out over your application. <laughs> so he has learned something about Rory <laughs> over this time. Mm-hmm. And she says that she has a long time to do the application, so she's not worried about it at the moment. And then Luke gets my Jess sass attack. <laughs> Rory, the bus comes, so Rory quickly kisses Dean and then runs out the door and Luke comes up at that moment and says she's a fast runner Dean says it's the coffee and Luke says not your face (laughs) (laughs) it was just perfect and it was almost like under his breath so Mm -hmm. Dean had to you know be confused it was great very sassy yeah (laughs) I liked that sass you know it runs in the family Mm -hmm. that's true (laughs) I also am just astounded that Rory and Dean are making out in Luke's where Jess mm-hmm. ostensibly works. That's so yeah. mean. <laughs> and then by the end of the episode, they're going to Luke's again after mm-hmm. the town meeting. And Jess is nowhere to be seen in this whole episode, which I think is the only reason that Dean and Rory are at Luke's mm-hmm. because I can't imagine Dean and Jess being in the same room I feel like it would lead to, you know, drama. So I thought that was a bit weird as well. Like, they just kind of ignored the existence of Jess, I think, in this episode. Yeah, which is an interesting choice based on a conversation they have at the end. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I thought this scene had, like, two purposes. One is kind of to show that Rory is trying in this relationship again. (laughs) Like, she is the one actively asking Dean to go on a date. Um, and then also it's to like show Rory being so calm about applying to Mm -hmm. college so that then the whole theme of anxiety later on seems even more heightened. Like she had a moment in time where she felt confident about applying to Harvard, which is how she should feel. But then everything else kind of got in the way until like a very quick resolution at the end. But I'm getting (laughs) ahead of, I'm getting ahead. (laughs) I think uh, the last thing to mention about the scene is that after Luke makes his good sassy comment to Dean, he looks out the window and sees Taylor taking some photographs of the building. Such a creep. Creepy, very classic Taylor. And this will be picked up throughout the episode as uh, part of a a smaller storyline throughout about the soda shop. Mm -hmm. Classic Taylor and Luke feud. Yeah. (laughs) So after this, we're at Chilton, and Rory and Paris are setting up for a round table with two admissions officers. Paris is upset because she wanted it to be an actual round table rather than just uh, (laughs) that's the format of the discussion. They get up there, and Paris first asks what the biggest mistake is that the admissions officers see in applications. This is, this was almost my Friday night dinner because I feel like these admissions officers are just terrible. <laughs> and this, yeah. like, this can't be the the real way that admissions officers are where they're just, like, literally trying to just weed out people in a, like, practically a eugenics type of way. <laughs> like, how can we find the people who have had the most, I don't know, advice from alumni <laughs> to meet these weird requirements we have that nobody ever tells them. It's such a a hidden agenda for admissions. Yeah, this moment was my Friday night dinner critique. Yeah, kind of just based on what you've said so far about like, I feel like this seminar, which is aptly titled The Business of Getting In, like exposes what a like a toxic environment and system like, applying for colleges is like now and then like I thought it was interesting how relevant this still felt like I think a lot of this is even more heightened now and we've had various scandals related to it you know um and yeah like the panelists are so their tone is just so like dismissive and they're talking about like the group of people in the room basically like very vulnerable and nervous kids and they're like making fun of them (laughs) they have like a variety of different like advice it was hard to keep up with it but one thing is that they're like 
we try to weed out the applicants that are too hungry or <laughs> immature and have like had college paraphernalia up in their rooms their whole lives and it's like why are you making fun of people for being passionate about yeah. college it seems so opposite of what you would think and of course this is like describing Rory to the T and she's getting more and more anxious as she's sitting there they pick out the Hillary Clinton essay as lacking originality (laughs) there's a funny comment where Paris says she cleared her pipes of that essay when she practiced at 12 um so well a lot going on um and I did appreciate in the following scene like the way that this kind of pans out in this current scene Rory is just feeling more and more tense and you think that Paris is kind of fine because Paris just seems like she's answering the questions etc asking the questions I mean but later on Rory gets a phone call where Paris is freaking out and she's like what did they mean by saying they want to weed out the hyper intense (laughs) so it's like no one in that room probably left feeling more confident, you know, which is the sad thing. Um, but I think overall, the show kind of like hum- they used humor to kind mm-hmm. of point out like an awful system. So I liked that. Yeah, that's true. I, just, I can't believe that the admissions officers would. I think it was partly because of the initial question of what are the biggest mistakes that starts the whole thing Mm -hmm. off in a bad note. But yeah, why would they just be so callous towards the people applying to their school, especially at a place like Chilton, which should be like their kind of where they're most likely to find people. Yeah, milk and butter of their (laughs) Ivy League applicants. It was just disappointing. And I think we've made it clear in the past that we don't really like the higher education system as it stands especially like this where it's just so where it's just weeding people out of having the opportunity of learning more yeah and like the inequities of it and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth which is why this is so ironic that it's like they're being cruel to the people with like the most access actually so hey maybe (laughs) it's kind of good in that sense (laughs) everyone should be crushed wow (laughs) Welcome to college. (laughs) So after this, we go to a Friday night dinner at the Gilmore's house. And Rory isn't there yet, but Emily has been looking through college magazines Mm -hmm. and has a whole bunch of statistics, supposedly, to tell (laughs) Lorelai about, like, who is getting in. She goes on a whole rant about, like, famous people just getting accepted. I think um, she talks about Kate Hudson and that was my Rory's bookshelf actually (laughs) uh the Kate Hudson reference because uh recently like a month ago and I don't know Glass Onion came out yeah um, I loved it Knives Out sequel and I loved that movie and Kate Hudson is really good in it and also on TikTok the song from How to Lose a Guy in 12 Days is trending again. So like Kate Hudson has just been on the mind. Yeah. (laughs) And so I loved Emily's comment, um, that insipid Kate Hudson, which is like so scathing. Um, And then later on, Lorelai picks it up again and says to Rory, over my dead body is Kate Hudson getting your spot. Because the thing is about like celebrities applying to college. So I thought that was like, a great example of a pop culture reference that was relevant at the time as well as now in like a new and different way. Yeah, we've also seen right now there's the whole trend going around about like calling out Nepo kids and nepotism and mm. stuff. Right, and she's like Goldie Fawn and Kurt Russell. Is that it? I couldn't tell you. I think that sounds right. <laughs> Well, it's on the record. Either I'll be on the record right or wrong. (laughs) Yeah. But also, like, part of the recruitment tactics for Ivy League schools is through nepotism and legacies and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So maybe that's why that's part of, obviously, that's part of why uh, Emily and Richard want her to go to Yale is because she'd be a legacy there. But in Harvard, she wouldn't be. Right. But through all of this, Lorelai comes back with our old storyline of Rory's very special and she doesn't need to worry about this. Emily says, I think what we're all thinking, like you and I know that, but they don't know that. 
which mm-hmm. is pretty much what happens, I think, for every single family because every single family thinks that their kid is special. But I thought it was interesting that Lorelai is assuring Emily that everything is fine and that it's like a me and Rory team. It's not a team with you. That's another classic mm-hmm. line that she's like, Emily, you're out. You're not in this. <laughs> <laughs> when it's like, I feel like Emily would be a actual resource yeah. in this process but okay uh but then the minute Rory arrives Lorelai like they take they go aside to a different room and then it's like it's all a front though like Lorelai is freaking out now and she just mm-hmm. didn't want to admit that she felt the same way as Emily and so her and Rory kind of get into this like anxiety spiral we've all been there and they kind of have to like pull each other out of it a bit but they don't entirely succeed they're kind of like I think they just go back to dinner but they're both like this is where we're at like they're both very worried now about this whole process and I kind of like that all three of the Gilmores are like worried yeah about it <laughs> and this is when we get the Paris phone call and she's also freaking out so right everyone is just yeah angsty <laughs> application anxiety all around There was Mm -hmm. this one movie that came out around when I was applying to college, or maybe it was, like, after I was in college, but it was called Accepted. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who were the main actors, but it was, like, uh, this guy doesn't get accepted to any of his colleges, but he can't tell his parents, so then he goes and creates, like, a fake college along with a few other people who are in the same boat, and then... It just spirals from there, and it comforted me a lot when I was (laughs) feeling this uh, application anxiety at the same same time in my life, I think. Or maybe it was either that or when I was in college, and it was just like, this sucks. I don't remember. I'll have to check that out. It was pretty funny. Okay, so returning to the episode. The next scene is another day, I would say. And we're back at Lorelai's house. She's fielding a lot of calls from Lane's ad. It turns out, I think unsurprisingly, Lane put their number on the form instead of her own home number, which makes a whole lot of sense, really. Uh, Lorelai doesn't seem that impressed with the people who are calling, and Lane doesn't either. And then, you know, Rory is there as well, and they're chit-chatting about how they're still worried about applications basically I don't think there's too much more to that other than I think they're setting up like Lane is struggling to find the right band the right fit so that later on when she does find the right fit we feel that she had to you know sift through the haystack (laughs) to find like the one needle that will be half alien yeah (laughs) that's true (laughs) yeah this was there were a couple scenes in this episode that were just like giving the setup for things that were kind of superfluous. And this was definitely one of them. So next, the next day or a day later in that week, we're at Luke's. And this is the start of Taylor's soda shop campaign. We get a kid Mm -hmm. coming in and he wants um, an egg cream, which is a drink that sounds gross, but I've looked up the recipe and it actually sounds tasty, but I've never had. <laughs> but it's like mm-hmm. a classic kind of uh, soda shop or like pharmacy drink that you'd get back when, you know, in the day. <laughs> and then uh, another kid comes in asking for a black cow, which I think is. That's like chocolate and vanilla, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The sauce. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> and Luke is starting to catch on. And then, of course. A uh, third kid, a.k.a. Kirk, comes in mm-hmm. <laughs> asking for something. And this is really what tips Luke off. And he goes out and finds that Taylor is wanting to buy the next door building um, or a storefront to open up a soda shop, which I think sounds wonderful. But, you know, Luke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Taylor describes it as a wholesome hang for that uh, today's teens need. Yeah. <laughs> And Luke makes the good point of like, because our teens are so out of control. And it's like, first of all, I have yet to believe that there are any teens in Stars Hollow other than Lane and Rory. And Jess and Dean. (laughs) But second of all, yeah, yeah, and those two. Second of all, apparently the worst thing they do is skateboard (laughs) around town. Taylor calls them Z-boys, which I would love to know (laughs) 
what that's referring to. That was my that was my Rory's bookshelf. Oh, good. <laughs> Not because I know historically what it's referring to, but because it shows up in one of my favorite musicals called The Rock of Ages musical, mm. if you have heard of it. It just takes a whole bunch of classic rock songs and makes it into a musical. It's great. Um, but at one point, one of the main characters sells out and becomes a boy band and start like mm. joins a boy band and they're called the Z Boys with like three S's or three Z's. And so that was that was to differentiate them from the Z Boys with one Z. <laughs> that was like the oh. whole joke. So yeah, I don't know historically what the whole Z Boy thing is, but I'm assuming it has something to do with boy bands. I Googled it and, um, well, the the Zephyr competition team uh, were a group of American skateboarders in the mid-70s. Oh, that makes in sense. In California. So it was a group of skateboarders. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So I Taylor would group them together then. <laughs> Taylor, again, with his strange conceptions of what teenagers are doing in his town. <laughs> yeah, which is ironic because he admits to having surveillance footage. So like... Mm-hmm. He is both simultaneously all-knowing but unknowing at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Taylor. The scene ends with Luke protesting, saying he was going to use the space as a skateboard shop, and Kirk follows him out asking about hiring (laughs) opportunities and if he should wear casual clothes for the interview. I love the continuation of that bit. That would be interesting if Luke opened up a skateboard shop. Does... Jess skateboard I feel like we we see him skateboard uh maybe in when he's in California that one episode no maybe not I'm just making a generalization bad you'd like you'd think he would right (laughs) yeah Yeah. but he's too busy carrying the book he can't Mm, carry like the skateboard and the book probably having a book in your back (laughs) pocket probably throws off your balance quite a lot (laughs) oh yeah there you go (laughs) anyways after this we're back at home and Lorelai has met with Headmaster Charleston, supposedly, off screen, mm-hmm. which I would have loved to see. Our fave guy. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's a deleted scene for that. But he, I guess it was a helpful meeting in the end. He suggested mm-hmm. that they meet with an alumnus. Um, and so they gave, uh, or he gave Lorelai somebody to call. And then they Lorelai's gung-ho to go ahead and call them. Rory panics as the phone is ringing and hangs up on them, which is a feeling I can remember from the days when I called Mm -hmm. people long ago. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. (laughs) And eventually they call back, but again, Rory panics and hands the phone off to Lorelai, who puts on this weird breathy voice to pretend to be Rory and set up a lunch Mm -hmm. meeting with this guy. Uh, It was weird. Have we had... Lorelai in the past put on like was it called like a bimbo voice yeah I'm pretty sure the captions described it as bimbo and she was like pretending to be Richard's secretary and so she's talking to Emily (laughs) it it was weird weird vibes and my thought was just like why didn't she just say I'm Lorelai and I'd like Mm -hmm. to arrange a lunch for my daughter she just had to be so weird about it yeah Um, and she succeeded yeah she really did (laughs) Two things I wanted to point out in this scene. One is that they say the alumnus. Is that the correct? Alumni, alumnus. Alumnus is singular. Alumni is plural. (laughs) Okay. The alumnus, Darren, is from the class of 74. And at the time, I thought this was just a person who was supposed to give her advice about the application process. So I was Mm -hmm. like, why don't they give her someone more relevant? Like that happens to us. I feel like we're our professors try to give us advice and they're they like have good intentions but they're kind of like they went through what we did so long ago and so much has changed it's much more cutthroat now so it's like what is this guy gonna know for Rory but then by the end it turns out it's like some like under the it's like about like a he's recommending her to Harvard and whatever so like now I get it um second I think an important part of this scene is that in between the two calls, someone calls them and they think it's Darren like calling them back. But it's actually one Mr. Dave Rogowski mm-hmm. leaving a message for Lane. And that was really exciting. Yeah. OK, 
can tell right away from his voice that he's going to be a good fit. (laughs) We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Today, it's our delight to feature an advertisement from a friend of the podcast, Lane Kim. Her ad is titled, Drummer Seeks Rock Band. We'll read it now. Drummer with strong beats seeks band into the accelerators, the adolescents, the adverts, Agent Orange, the angelic upstars, the agnostic front. Wow. This alphabetical list of 43 bands is tidy, but a bit long. No offense, Lane, but our episodes run long enough as it is, so we're going to have to speed things up from here. Skipping to the end, then... If you're an ideally cute and charming audiophile who meshes with at least 38 of the 43 bands Lane listed, call the Gilmore House ASAP. Whatever you do, don't call Kim's Antiques with any inquiries related to rock music. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But after this scene, we go straight into the Harvard lunch, and the guy's name is Darren Springsteen, which of course brings up a whole bunch of weird comments from Lorelai about Bruce Springsteen. As it should. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we show up to this house, and it's very, like, very uh, cookie-cutter suburban, nice big house. He's got a whole bunch of modern art hanging on the walls and drops a whole bunch of modern artist names. <laughs> Lorelai pretends mm-hmm. to know what he's talking about, which is a theme throughout this lunch. I love like I love this kind of person and I mean that like <laughs> I don't really love the where he says he's like I'm into modern mm-hmm. painting. I'm into sculpture, but really he's just into owning yeah, things. Exactly. Because he describes them as like I have this And then he also calls it like his acquisitions, which just made me think he'd get along with Emily really well. (laughs) Yeah. It's not about having art to like enjoy on your walls. It's about Mm -hmm. having art to point out on your walls. (laughs) Yeah. And the price tag that everyone would know would be associated with it. Yeah. The prestige, the exclusive items, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. As somebody in the socioeconomic bracket who only has prints... Hey, those prints are expensive. <laughs> I know, I like twenty dollars. God forbid I want to frame too. I know. Like that. <laughs> you have to hit Michaels up when they have the huge frame sale at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year. Buy them for two dollars. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. This whole lunch, there's like a pre-lunch chat and then there's the lunch chat. It's all really awkward. Mm-hmm. Pretentious. Yeah, a lot of like Rory feeling self-conscious and trying to um, impress Darren with like what they think he would want her to be like when it's like that her actual self is impressive enough. Um, he's got two kids, which I think is like the highlight <laughs> of this whole thing. Like it really elevates this in terms of humor. Um, yeah. They are Jack and Jennifer, <laughs> Jack and Jen. He's pre-med at Princeton. She's bound for Harvard. They're identical. Um, and there's like, Lorelai making incest jokes about yeah. them, essentially. <laughs> or and it's the fact that they're like clones as well, very preppy. Their sister Carol will later like describe them as like being on the conveyor belt, mm-hmm. which I think is a super great uh metaphor for like the family just seems to be churning out like the same Ivy League kid yeah. life kind of thing. I also wanted to point out when we interviewed John Cabrera, he mentioned that Mm. the part that he um, originally auditioned for was Jack. And I was trying to imagine him (laughs) in this role and it would have been so different. I just can't imagine like he doesn't have the preppy look and I'm sure he could have like done the character, but I just couldn't. I yeah, I am happy that he became Brian instead um yeah because this guy was very different (laughs) brian and jack are very different characters so it was kind of trippy to watch this episode in that light for sure yeah (laughs) and 
once they sit down to lunch, pretty quickly the conversation devolves into this terrible game of <laughs> like trivia, dinner table trivia, which I think yeah. like maybe that's fine to do when it's a family dinner, but that's so rude to do when you have guests like to put them on the spot and Lorelai um didn't know the answer to any of the questions she was asked and you can mm-hmm. tell that she was getting really self-conscious you try to joke through it but um it was just mean I thought that and it, it was just I don't, it just showed how little they know of other people to be able mm-hmm. to like conceive of the fact that some people wouldn't find this enjoyable <laughs> or wouldn't have yeah. this knowledge this like super white upper class knowledge it was just so and weird it's such like a it's such a shallow form of knowledge mm-hmm. anyway just reciting facts from memory yeah <laughs> i think most colleges encourage critical thinking as like the kind of primary function of most like college education so it's a little ironic that they're like showing off and their competition is based in something that is like not really that impressive to me to begin with anyway so <laughs> just like edit sat test at dinner every night what everybody wants yeah (laughs) yeah very comforting um rory stands up to go and find the bathroom she's directed upstairs and this is where we meet carol the third kid who is like bursting through the house going to her room which is just like a an eclectic mess (laughs) and she's changing Mm -hmm. out of a waitress outfit i think into uh bunny outfit which was my Lorelai's mm-hmm. closet moment for the episode <laughs> that's good but apparently she is working multiple jobs and is not going to school we get another Sid and Nancy reference they just can't get past these because uh Darren and his wife had made it sound like Carol was like a completely wayward child <laughs> like out doing terrible things when really she just was is working jobs and not going to school I thought that was so funny by the way in the conversation when Lorelai asks about this like missing third child Mm -hmm. and they're like well first like Lorelai says what does she do and there's a pause and they're like she's not here (laughs) Carol she's she's following her own path doing her own thing ridiculous (laughs) it's so mysterious yeah and it also I, I don't know. It makes them sound... I think there's kind of a contradiction in the whole scene because it makes them sound mm-hmm. super unsupportive of her, but they haven't kicked her out yet. <laughs> and yeah. that seems to be like the normal kind of path or often the path that parents take if their kids... If they are the kinds of parents who like are super... are pressuring their kids to go in a certain direction and the kids decide not to, they tend to kick them out make them fend for themselves kind of and carol still gets to live with them and work her job so i don't know it's kind of a an interesting uh contradiction within their weirdness (laughs) yeah and i wondered like what was she working toward Mm -hmm. like why does she have multiple jobs does she want to be like a musician or what does she want to do like they gave us so many details about this family yet like not all of them you yeah know? <laughs> not really the enough that I was ones. left wanting more yeah uh, but I definitely felt like Carol was like the stand-in for like the Lorelai and the situation or even like Amy Sherman Palladino maybe I don't know just some like punk rock person in like this family I don't <laughs> but she talks to Rory about having the really good, straight, shiny Harvard hair. Um, she's a very fast talker, Carol. Um, and she talks about how her her brother and sister are stuck on the conveyor belt. And she says, Rory, like, oh, if you like being on it, good for you. And Rory's trying to, like, insist that she's not on the conveyor belt, that this was her own dream. And Carol's like, well, in my family, the Harvard brainwashing starts in the womb. And if you tell them that there's another choice, their khakis would wrinkle, which I (laughs) love. I really loved that line. And Roy kind of, you know, still resists and says that's not her situation. And I think for the most part, I I do believe Roy. Like she did not grow up in this family. Uh, I think we've questioned like how much of the Harvard dream is influenced by Lorelai, but like Rory's personality, her interests, her hobbies are like all her own. And 
I don't think Lorelai like pressed, you know, the Harvard thing that much like these parents seem to do. And at the end, when they're leaving, Darren says to Lorelai, like, you molded her well. And Lorelai says, no, she just popped out that way, <laughs> which I think is actually true, you know. Um, and it's the difference between those two environments, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think that they're like Lorelai. I agree. I don't think she put Rory on any sort of conveyor belt. I think she definitely latched on to the idea of Harvard, yeah. but, you know, that's different. I feel like that happens often, especially when you have somebody who's, like, working so hard towards a goal. It's hard to watch them if they decide to change, even if that's in their best interest. But anyways, we'll get to that. Yeah. Are there, like, displaced kind of class aspirations mm-hmm. on Rory as well from Lorelai's point of view? Like, she rejected that position from her parents and now she wants to like build that herself and she's doing that through you know the dragonfly but then also through Rory's like oh it's for the next generation to rise above what the parents etc so like it's a narrative as old as time I think as well as what's going on there (laughs) yeah and complicated Mm -hmm. um but I think Lorelai at one point pops up at the end of this conversation and has like asks about uh, some answer to the question. I feel like Carol at that point notices that there's a difference mm. and that Rory maybe not is not on the conveyor belt. So another kind of weird scene. But I think also that small moment too um, after that conversation with Carol because I had noticed Rory gets up to like say, can I go wash my hands? Which is kind of a weird thing yeah. to ask <laughs> right after Lorelai has gotten an answer wrong. So I almost thought, is Rory a little bit, like, ashamed mm-hmm. of Lorelai in this yeah, moment? Yeah, that's true. Um, as she's trying to make her first impression. And then by the end, when she hears about, like, oh, well, I could have had the mom that put me on this conveyor belt. So I think she sees her in new eyes again and, it, like, appreciates her. And it's a little, like, a tiny little full circle moment within one, like, scene. Really. Yeah, that makes sense. I hadn't thought about that. That gives it a little bit more meaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So after this, the lunch is over. They both seem to be pretty happy with how it went. As you said, Darren compliments Lorelai in a strange fashion. Um, And then they're back in Stars Hollow at a town meeting. And I feel like this is really where the episode started to get exciting. We've got a town meeting and Taylor is bringing up the issue of the soda shop. And he has found a town bylaw that uh, allows the majority of the town to kind of override the owner, the property owner's uh, desires. So Luke uh, could ostensibly be forced to rent the so- the uh, storefront to town to Taylor for the soda shop mm-hmm. if enough people in the town want it. And <laughs> as Lorelai says. We like ice cream, so. <laughs> yeah, there's not much else to argue about that. We like ice cream. Yeah, it does that. I do have my uh, Stars Hollow moment when Taylor brings out this almost to scale model diorama of the uh, town square with Luke's and then the soda shop and a huge horse, <laughs> a two-story horse, But we also see some of the townspeople in there. Supposedly, there's Jackson holding a zucchini. (laughs) A tiny zucchini. And so I just liked that. I mean, Taylor, of course, would be the kind of person to go all out on this Mm -hmm. town meeting. I really liked that detail as well and how they all get distracted momentarily by the diorama and just the scale of it. And Babette's like that person could just walk under that horse and like, you know, the scale's not quite right. <laughs> and the the bylaws thing is meant for like Civil War hospitals, <laughs> yeah. as Luke points out, yet Taylor's kind of twisting it for his soda shop in the present day. But as much as I, you know, I, you know, there's always a good Luke and Taylor feud. Sometimes you side with one over the other. But with this one, I have to say, I agree with the town. It's like, yeah, of course we want an ice cream shop, Luke. Like, yeah, of course. Kind of surprised <laughs> that there isn't one. And Rory makes a great point. Like, get a hamburger, Luke's, and a milkshake at the soda shop. That sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> yeah, what more could you want? Exactly. 
Uh, on the mm-hmm. way out, Kurt comes up to Taylor <laughs> asking about management opportunities at the soda shop. Mm-hmm. So he's still on the hunt for a job, and he always will be. <laughs> yeah. What follows the town meeting is a series of short conversations between different little groups. And I liked the way that this was filmed because they're all standing outside the kind of town meeting set. And it gives you like a sense of a real space. Mm -hmm. Like it starts with um, Dean and Rory. And then in the same, it will like as they walk away, it pans to Dave and Lane. And then from there, it goes over to Suki and Jackson and Lorelai. And I, I just really liked the way that they used the the space and they give you a sense of like, oh, these people are actually, this is really what it would look like in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The first conversation that we get is Lane comes and asks Rory about the lunch and they're interrupted by Dave Rogowski. He has arrived <laughs> and... um. <laughs> He recognized Lane from the Dead Kennedys shirt, which is a great band. And he invites her to come and listen to some music uh, with him. And he pulls out, he starts pulling out all of this um, audio stuff (laughs) and geeking out. And this was my gazebo moment, this interaction between the two of them, because he apologizes to Lane for being kind of an audio geek. And Lane is just like, don't apologize I love you (laughs) and then she has to like uh, back up and uh, say that she loves that about him and it's just very cute and finally we get I don't know Lane having some happiness (laughs) Mm -hmm. she's had a lot of heartbreak or unrequited love so far yeah and this is like a nice little meet meet cute so I'm excited for her (laughs) this was also my gazebo moment for like a lot of what you listed, I mean, it just filled me with like joy and excitement. You know, I didn't remember exactly what episode Dave arrived in. So I was pleasantly surprised to know it was like this early in the season. And I just love that they're on the same level of like extraordinary knowledge and passion about music. And I love the crush element, but I also just love that they're like the like I don't know, the level of their craft and like their passion for it and their knowledge of it is just so similar Mm -hmm. and they speak the same language and just to meet someone on your level like as a friend or more is so like satisfying for the soul I feel like for Lane so I'm just so happy for her and I have a crush on the actor Adam Brody (laughs) who's like been in things recently like Fleischman is in trouble. Oh I keep meaning to watch that. That looks good. Yeah um and then he had a small role in the show that I like called Single Parents, which was ended too soon and featured Leighton Meister, I think Leighton Meister, Meister, who played um, Blair on Gossip Girl. <gasps> They're married in real life. Wow. <laughs> so that's a fun fact because she's from Gossip Girl and he was from the OC. So they're kind of like a iconic pairing of TV shows of the wow, era. Wow, I so. didn't know that. Fun fact. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. After this, Dean arrives and he and Rory kiss and then they start to walk off and Dean asks this super pressing question, which is, uh, do they break up when Rory leaves? And this was kind of out of the blue. It's also Mm -hmm. like the beginning of the school year. They still have, you know, a good year before she goes off to college. So I was wondering... If this was like the beginning of Dean looking for a way out because even if it's subconscious Mm. because he knows what's going on with Jess, but Rory gets really kind of fed up with this. Like she doesn't understand why he's asking this. And then we get my Friday night dinner, which is she tells him that he could go to college in Boston. Dean explains that he's going to junior college. And Rory says, well, you can go to junior college in Boston. Dean explains (laughs) that he can't go. They don't have dorms. And Rory, there's like a combination of things happening here. The first was, I think Rory is showing her privilege. It it hasn't Mm. even crossed her mind that Dean might not be able to afford to live in Boston, that Dean might not have the same, like, support system even if Ror- even if Lorelai doesn't have a lot of money, Rory just knows that 
I mean, she has Emily and Richard, so she's obviously going to be able to go to Harvard and Yale if she gets in. It's not even a question. But for Dean, there is the whole financial aspect of going to college, which was another part for my Friday night dinner is, A, the expectations that everybody has to go to college to mm-hmm. have a future, which I think is was like at its height here in the 2000s and 2010s. Like, if you don't go to college, even if you don't go to... And also, I, th- I think junior colleges were kind of put down at this point as well in, like, community colleges. But mm-hmm. the idea that you're not going to have any future if you don't go to these, and also just the idea that your financial states, like, you should sacrifice <laughs> financial security in the moment for potential sec- financial security later just for going to college, which has gotten us into a huge problem with student loan debt. Um, so I'm just, I don't know, I think I'm just kind of critiquing the idea of college as a necessity and something that you should do at any expense, whether you want to be in school or not, whether you're interested in school stuff or not, and also some people's inability to like realize that their path is not everybody's path, Mm -hmm. specifically Rory. So yeah, kind of a multifaceted Friday night dinner. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like her response definitely shows her thinking her path is the only way and that Dean should like adjust in any way possible to like be there to like be parallel to her path in a sense. It's just also like, I don't know, like you said, like it's the start of the year. They have so much time. They have other issues they should probably work out first. And like Rory doesn't even end up at Harvard. Mm -hmm. So even if they did make this big Boston plan right now, like it's going to change, let alone like, that they're going to break up before then even you know there's just a whole lot going on and the fact that he also brings it up so randomly was another kind of uh like why don't you just say hey this is on my mind can we talk about this at sometime yeah. soon like but I don't know it, it shows Rory's like dedication to their relationship <laughs> though that she's like insistent that they will not break up and that they should find a way to have him be with her in Boston or on the weekends, like all of this stuff. It's just so revealing, I guess. And then it just has me thinking about when they actually do date while she's at Yale, which is closer, but that is still like the major issue in their relationship beyond the whole like he was married thing. (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) Um, Is that like it's hard for them to date while she's away and like on a different path than him. Yeah. I wish we got more character development for Dean because this could have been like a cool kind of like display of his own anxiety about his future not even and like Mm -hmm. him displacing it onto his future with Rory but we don't know Dean enough to know whether he is anxious about his future or like what his reasoning is for going to junior college what his reasoning is for Mm -hmm. any of this because all we know about him is his relationship with Rory. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I think it's interesting of the reading you had at, like, the beginning, though, of saying, like, is Dean, like, subconsciously seeking a way out by asking this? Because what, to just think into it a bit, like, what is the motivation for just springing on this question, which could lead to her saying, like, oh, we should break up, or I'm not sure... Maybe like, yeah, there is a part of him buried deep that wants her to be like, yeah, that would be too difficult. And it would like just give them both the relief of finally (laughs) breaking up and like moving on from this. And the whole like, well, you're going away makes it be it's not really her fault, not really his fault. It's more of like an understandable breaking up kind of thing, but does not result in that way. In the end, she just says like, He's being too serious, which is so ironic because Rory is such a serious Mm -hmm. person. And they kind of just end at this sort of awkward impasse and they go off to Luke's together. Yeah, it seemed to be being cutesy and stuff. It was weird. But at the same time, Dave and Lane are listening to music together and they're planning to meet up. So we know that we're going to get some band stuff soon. (laughs) 
Lane mm-hmm. has to go and stands up and takes off her dead Kennedy shirt to <laughs> reveal a bright yellow um, shirt underneath that says, I think, God is love. No, it says, oh, trust, trust God. God. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually, this was my Lorelai's closet. It's the dual t-shirt wearing of, of Lane's dual lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that she was wearing the dead Kennedy shirt which is representative of her. It's what like attracts Dave to know that is her. Um, it's her true kind of self. And then she takes it off for this kind of more fake false sense of self with the trust God um, that she's going home to. And at that point, Dave doesn't yet know about like her double life. So he doesn't know he's agreed to like be in a band with someone who has to hide that, um, which will set up a lot of like fun antics, but also conflict, you know, um, and it was just so funny, though, for her to, like, reveal that other shirt. Yeah. Um, so lame. <laughs> yeah. Go back to her life. Oh, yeah. And he asks, is that a band? <laughs> and she says, no, my life. And just walks away without explaining it at all. I just thought that was really well yeah. done. <laughs> I'm so excited for their storyline. And just, like, mm-hmm. Bailey in general. I know that a lot of people don't like Zach, but I like Zach. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about then. But for right now, we've yeah. got Dave, who is perfect for Lane at this point. Mm-hmm. We also kind of eavesdrops, eavesdrop on a on a conversation between Lorelai, Suki, and Jackson, where Lorelai and Suki are mocking Jackson because he said he likes modern art, so they must have been talking about the lunch. But then Jackson asks a very out-of-the-blue question, just like Dean's, he asks what Lorelai is going to do with Rory's room, which really throws Lorelai off. And it ends up that Jackson is looking for a place to store his antique tools uh, <laughs> collection. And this was just so strange. I I know that they were just doing this to like have the emotional payoff at the end of the episode of both of them. Like, after so much anticipation Mm. for Harvard, now they're both realizing what it actually means of them, like, moving on to a different phase in life. But it was so, like, there's no way that Jackson's going to use Rory's room for his tools. Also, as we all know, college students come home often (laughs) and still need their rooms, especially, like, Mm -hmm. if you're an only child, you know, why would your parents get rid of your room for a while, you know, until until you're settled. It was such a weird conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think as you describe, it feels a bit heavy-handed mm-hmm. to set up this theme that I think is supposed to, like, loom over the rest of the season. Like, I felt like I could see what they were doing, and sometimes you don't want to see what they're doing. You want to just be immersed in the whole TV of it all, um, especially because you kind of, like, looks off into the distance afterward and is clearly like distressed and you can like practically see like the script of being like (laughs) Lorelai is is worried about Rory growing up and going away um (laughs) but I do though then in the final scene which is this kind of like emotional sweet moment I did like Mm -hmm. it though I do I like the payoff even if it was a bit clunky to get there um where Darren calls with this like raving review and he says he's going to share it with admissions and they both kind of look at each other and there's a sense that they're like relieved they feel relieved they get a sense of like oh Rory's going to Harvard like it seems like it's going to work out that way and they're both kind of like then sitting with that and realizing how much their lives are going to change soon and instead of doing the newspaper stuff and the in stuff, they decide to spontaneously postpone that. And they're like, what are we going to do? And they say, just hang. And I like, I don't know. It is so like it really hammers home the whole like premise of the very show of like, what if the mom and the daughter are best friends, you know? And it's like, this is one of those moments. And it's so clear. It rings so true. I do. It's like, what more could you want from Gilmore Girls? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It is like, it just, I don't, I don't remember exactly everything that happens in the rest of the season, but I do know that this same thing happens 
a couple more times, like where they're both realizing change and neither of them are great with change. Um, But of course, this (laughs) is something that they've anticipated for a long time. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's like kind of the question of like what happens when the dream you've dreamed for so long is about to be realized. And that's kind of where they're at, at this like, kind of the season they're kind of on like the precipice of something they've desired for so long yet now that it's near it's like can you kind of like slow down time mm-hmm. a little bit <laughs> and it's great for them that they realize that at this point in the year that they can mm-hmm. try and like make a conscious effort to appreciate things for the rest of the time if they do <laughs> after this so they head out to hang out and as we're leaving the episode we just kind of pan out and we see Luke and Taylor fighting over the sign which Taylor of course already had made um Mm -hmm. Luke doesn't (laughs) approve of a whole bunch of different things including the spelling and we get this town troubadour Mm -hmm. and they walk off into the square yeah the camera kind of like stay stays steady and the frame stays the same but so they just keep getting smaller and smaller as they're walking away which I is not an effect to you like you see that often on Gilmore Girls or like in a regular episode it kind of had more of like a like an opener or ender kind yeah. of vibe to yeah. it so I I liked that it was kind of artistic you know in the end yeah it reminded me of like the first episode when it pans in over mm-hmm. the town sign mm-hmm. and then I think you see them walking up like from far away yeah I think if I'm remembering correctly. Or that happens at some point. <laughs> They're like in Luke's oh, in the yeah. first okay. episode. But Never I think mind. that does happen at some point. You're right. But it was noticeable, you know, so I liked mm-hmm. it. Anyway, so we're at the end. Who is your MVP for the episode? I, now that we've recapped this whole episode, I realized again how like kind of boring it was. <laughs> um even though we've had I hope we made it more (laughs) exciting with our commentary (laughs) we've had good things to say but it was kind of a filler episode of we as we've said before Mm -hmm. not unenjoyable but not exciting but I still Mm -hmm. have an MVP and that is Lane just because of the excitement uh anticipation Mm -hmm. that we're getting her storyline her seeing her like flourish and blossom as a musician Mm -hmm and meeting Dave and like just having the promise of that relationship coming up and the band and all that so who was your MVP my MVP was also Lane for all of the reasons that you stated I just love watching her like pursue her dream of being in a rock Mm -hmm. band all while being like undercover (laughs) (laughs) um and meeting a cute guy who's gonna be her boyfriend like truly she can do it all (laughs) Um, and it's all going great for her. And it's not always, always going to go great for her this season. But you're right. Like right now, there's just such a sense of like optimism and just wanting the best for like a character that we cherish, you know. So, yeah, I'm excited. I don't remember at all what happens after this, like in the next episode and stuff. So I'm excited to We're see. We're on the precipice <laughs> of my memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's go ahead, you know, and see what we... <laughs> See what we find. We have to, you know, be starting some new drama soon, I'm guessing. I feel like there's mm-hmm. some stuff that happens soon with Richard. But yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Talk, <laughs> Talk soon. soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.